Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome in, Roy Nogletree. Coming under the weather, but fighting through. He's a gamer. Yeah. It's like Jordan against the Jazz. Many people have said that I'm like Michael Jordan. Yes. They've made that comparison very often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jordan Alvarez flu game. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Same person. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you, I know you would identify maybe more with Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Since hey, he's, he's, he's really, the, right? he's, the, he's really the only person the last couple of days who's brought you joy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. My wife is like, why are you sad? And I was like, eh. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look, I have a two, like Monday and Tuesday before we get into it. Uh, are two Astros fans in a row, uh, Chris Allman and you, oh, brother? And so uh, I, I do feel like I could have the same exact conversation, and like just put you behind a wall, yeah. like change your voice, and I'd have to just like, okay, is it the game would be is this Chris or Royden? And it would have to be serious context clues <laughs> over your complaints because I'm sure they're the same thing. Contestant number one, do you feel like dying? <laughs> Just depends on yes. <laughs> Contestant number say, two, say your thoughts on Martin Maldonado. Wait, did Royden say, "Do you feel like dying?" And then depends on yes. <laughs> I tried to like rationalize it in like sports brain, and then uh, better. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't rationalize. Yes, I feel like dying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I know, I know how you feel, you know, when the Red Sox get, get eliminated, it's, it's you or get eliminated or, or behind it. You yeah. know, the, a couple of years ago when they played the Astros in the LCS, when they, they really had no business being there yeah. and they kind of pushed them to the brink a little bit and you're like, Oh, Hey, maybe this, something's going to happen. Like the joy I felt, I was mad at that. Yeah. I was mad that you, they'd let me feel joy oh, man, it's as opposed to, you. as opposed to letting me just accept the inevitable, which mm-hmm. was the Astros are going to win the world series and we're just standing in the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like the problem with baseball is, and we'll, I promise we'll talk about football, mm-hmm. but like the problem with baseball is, is that it still is a seven game series. So it's, but it's just dying a, a thou- death by a thousand cuts when you go down O2 at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, at home. Sorry, so, I would, uh, yeah, that would be another. Mind for a that would be maybe the death by a thousand cuts would have like thrown me. That would be, oh, that's Royden right there. Yeah, There's yeah. my context clue. All right, don't so, follow me on Twitter. It's just bleak. Yeah, for um, for our first topic today, let's dive into something you and I have not really talked about that much this year, and that's USC. Speaking of bleak, yeah, it is. And look, they've only lost one game. Yeah, but it feels like they're on a three-game losing streak because of how the last three games have gone. Big lead, blew it, had to come back and beat Arizona, who, by the way, has found something in Noah Fita. So, uh, you know, he's now get, got his first big win with a win over Wazoo last week. So maybe that one wasn't as drastic as you think. But mm-hmm. 
They go into Notre Dame. They get blown out this week. And this is supposed to be Caleb Williams' you know, second run at a Heisman. Lincoln Riley getting back in the college football playoff. USC maybe winning another national title. And even though it's just one loss, they look so far away from that right now. Because teams that win the national title don't get beat like they just got beat. No. And look, your, your text message this morning was... What is wrong with USC? And it's really tough to be like, what is wrong with a one-loss team and a quarterback that has 24 to four touchdown to interception ratio mm-hmm. and is still going to be the number one overall pick in an offense but that by any metric ranks in like the top 10 of any, any statistical category. The macro is their defense is atrocious. Yes. Like very, very bad. And... Their offensive line's not really playing that well. No, and Caleb Williams can save you so much. So when he has that stinker game that a quarterback is bound to have, like you get, yeah, you, everybody gets one. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I there's not enough to overcome the star quarterback having a bad game. I was just looking up like, do you want to play a quick game of like where does they where does USC rank in in defensive categories or do you know off the top of your I head? I don't know off the top of my head. I would I would assume that they're at best in the middle. They're like 95th yeah. in scoring defense, uh total defense, takeaway like all of it. They're mm-hmm. like 95th like down the board. They have given up now more touchdowns than they've actually scored, which is surprising. Since that, since that Stanford game where they only allowed 10 points to Stanford, which, uh, I mean, considering they had the best wide receiver of all time, Stanford does, <laughs> but uh, they had Jerry Rice incarnate, but like reincarnated. But they uh, they actually do have Emmett Smith right. reincarnated. Well, look at that. <laughs> no, I, uh, I just wanted to look and it's like, how bad has it actually been? 28 points to Arizona, 41 points to Colorado. They nearly blew that game again. 41 to Arizona. And then 48. So it's gone 41, 41, 48 down the line. Now, granted, 14 of those points came on a scoop and score by Notre Dame and a 99-yard kick return. But those are things, again, you can't let happen if you are USC. If you are – Oh, that's fine. They still only scored 20 points. Yeah. Against that. I mean, it would have been a blowout, I think, regardless. So they are – they've proven that they're stoppable now, Mm -hmm. which last year on offense they weren't really – like when they lost to Utah, they weren't stoppable on offense. They just got outscored. Same with Tulane last year. Tulane outscored them, and they couldn't do anything about it in the moment. I think it also speaks to something that Lincoln Riley has to look at in his coaching style, which is – you know, 97% successful, but it's the 3% that gets you, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, this is what the difference is between the difference between you and Kirby Smart right now is Kirby Smart's teams play tough. They like, even in their bad days, like if you watch Georgia played against South Carolina and Auburn this year, like, yes, it was not, it was not glorious in any way, shape, or form. But did Auburn and South Carolina ever feel like a, for a minute that they weren't in a fight? No. They mm-hmm. felt like they were in a fight because Kirby Smart has tough teams. 
I think that Lincoln Riley's finesse, it's not that he doesn't want toughness. It's just he needs somebody on that staff that can bring in that element that they're missing. And Alex Grinch is not the guy. Well, you said so. saw it with Ohio State after they went and got Oklahoma State's former uh, defensive coordinator, yeah. whose name is passing me by. But now all of a sudden, Ohio State, whose offense is – isn't Jim rolling, Knowles. Is Jim name. Knowles, thank you. Yeah. Isn't rolling at the same clip that a normal Ohio State offense is used to rolling at. They're now third pretty much in every defensive metric across mm. – like somewhere in the top ten in every defensive yeah. metric, along with Penn State, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah. But all of a sudden, they're winning games that they – if the offense wasn't rolling in past years, it hadn't really mattered for Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, that, that was Ryan Day's thing too. Ryan yeah. Day had a team that was – my God, offensively, he and Brian Hartline just had it it just singing. Yeah. And then defensively, they were just like, please, would you drop the ball on accident? Which if you would just like if you could roll, like when the quarterback rolls out, like one of those days where like, you know, he look, this the the replay shows from behind, like, oh, he's got a wide open receiver. And you just drop the ball. Yeah. If you could do that, like that's what they were hoping for because the defense was especially right up the middle, which used to be Ohio. I mean, I think about Andy Katzenmoyer with his freaking neck roll and that that used to be Ohio State's calling card yeah. is that they were, were tough guys. Luke Fickle was one of those tough guys when he played there. You know, they, they had um, A.J. Hawk and, you know, dudes like that who were just psychos right there up the middle and defensive tackles that you did not want to put a hand on you because it meant that you were going to hurt. And then it was just all of a sudden through the crust of the earth. You know, the the reason that, that Michigan flipped it in Ohio state was Michigan and Jim Harbaugh said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. The five guys I have on the offensive line and all the guys I have on the defensive line are going to be bigger and faster and stronger than everybody else. Yeah. Everything else will work itself out after that. But when I get to that point, then everything will make sense, which is why uh, before even J.J. McCarthy comes in as the starter, I can get this team to the Big Ten championship game with Cade McNamara. I can do that because Cade will probably never see a defensive lineman. He won't even know what their numbers are because there's a big wall of maize and blue in the way, and he won't ever think about it and be sad. Like That's just how it's going to work. That's what Lincoln Riley needs to do, and he has not done yet. I thought Bear Alexander, who's played pretty well on that defense, the transfer would be a lot better for them. But so far, I mean, because it is it talent or is it scheme or is it somewhere in the middle? And given the amount of money that they spent in the portal on NAL this year on defensive talent specifically, they either made bad uh, financial decisions or they're not putting these guys in the right positions to win. It seems like a scheme thing, and it has always seemed like a scheme thing with mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley. Well, defense. look, J- the the talent didn't change right when Jim Knowles came in, other than maybe him picking out some guys he liked for his system better. Yeah, fair. I Ohio mean, but he's State also was had still, a couple years in it. That, but, but Ohio yeah. State was still like, it's only been two years, right? So yeah. Ohio State still some of those guys they signed are still there, mm-hmm. you know, and still playing on that defense. They just are in better spots now. And this is the thing that Oklahoma fans may be warranted or unwarranted would always complain about and why they're lying online that they didn't want, uh, that they would never want Lincoln Riley ever to set foot in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, but it, it just, that's what they would complain about is that they couldn't win when like Kansas state would come mm-hmm. to Norman or whatever. And I, I, they probably have a, win, a super winning record against Kansas State. But, yeah, those games where it's just like, we're just going to run the ball 28 times down your throat. And, like, they, 
they couldn't beat those teams. Okay, I I have a theory that there's no there's no proof to this because there's things, but certain teams can only win certain ways. Sometimes it's because of the geography. Yeah, this was this was kind of echoed. We had Matt Rule on the show last week um, on their bye week, and I was asking him about you know adjusting who you recruit to who's coming into the Big Ten next year, um, what kind of scheme you're going to run because you're going to have to combat four really wide-open offenses when it comes in. I mean, you're, you're talking Chip Kelly and, um, and Dan Lanning. And, I mean, these offenses yeah. are, are wide, wide open. Michael, like, you know, Kalen DeBoer's offense, even though all those quarterbacks will be gone, except for UCLA's, you're still battling these wide-open offenses. So how do you morph your style to fit you but, but change it? And he said, well, look – in Nebraska, you have to be ready to play in terrible weather mm-hmm. in, in the fall and winter. So we have to have a scheme that allows for that, but we also have to find ways to, you know, when the weather's lovely, <laughs> like keep, you know, pace in those kind of games. So, and, and, and dictate a game. And I do think that certain teams can only, like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have really only won Super Bowls when they are just tough on defense. They've got big, nasty running backs, and they, you know, grind it out. And like in December, when you go there, and the weather is just crap. Yeah, like they're like doesn't like doesn't even look. If you remember like some of those Ben Roethlisberger teams playing in just crap weather in Pittsburgh, it didn't bother them at all. Right. The like the Bills of the '90s were like a great example of you can do what you do as long as you fit it to what you are. They were like they were the hurry up offense before that was cool, mm-hmm. and. They were playing in the worst weather possible, and they just made it work. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers made it work because he's Aaron Rodgers in Green right. Bay. So, but you have to have the personality of your university. Nebraska is never going to win again until they're they're just tough, corn-fed Midwestern. You know, Iowa. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably a little bit like Iowa. Only just figured out a really boring way to win, but they they do it. Um, but USC needs to have flash and dash to me you've got to be la on both sides of the ball and right now they they're for the most times la on offense but they are bakersfield on defense man like they are (laughs) they are just there is nothing over there worth going to see (laughs) yeah yeah exactly they are they are not la on on that side of the ball and that's weird because you would like you a coach can change the perception of a university obviously and uh, as a Baylor, you know, like you've kind of seen that with like some of these new coaches in the in in the Big Twelve. I was going to say, as a Baylor fan, with Aranda, it's like he took a university, and Matt Rule did this a little bit, just made this a school where people were supposed to hit you all of a sudden, and this it, it gave it a dif- defensive identity if, at at least a little bit from a school that was scoring seven. Everybody still has brain fog that. Baylor's supposed to still be scoring 70 points. Well, that's just not yeah. the case. And it is weird just with USC. It's been like 10 coaches in a row that have just said, eh, we're just going to continue to score. And we're just going to continue to try to score 55 points a game, which is probably, you know, not for nothing, probably how you win with all those kids in California who've been playing in that style mm-hmm forever yeah kind of became how you won in texas when the spread offense was adopted around here like you just continued to do it it's what these kids know 
but there's got to be a Troy Palomalo out there or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's got to be dudes well, yeah, that can hit. Yeah. I mean, who, like, they had the 05 teams, the, the, the 03, 04, 4. What? Did Palomalo go to USC? Yeah. Yeah, he, he did. That's okay. a, yeah, a great example. Like they had, look, Ronnie Lott went to USC too, man. I mean, like, you know, they, like they need, they need those dudes for, even though it's illegal now, but the headhunters of the, right. of the group, the ones who are, you know, Troy Palomalu is one of the best football players I've ever seen. Like just pure football player in that when you would be like, Hey, why is the safety lined up so close to the line? Oh, he jumped over the line. And then it's just like, Oh wait. Uh, he's just run straight to the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the, all the different things that he was able to. USC was great. You know, USC's 0304, the you know, even the team that played Texas, they're deep, like they had studs mm-hmm. all over the defensive side of the ball. They just don't. And Lincoln Riley didn't have those, like he's got a couple guys in the NFL from Oklahoma right now, mm-hmm. but they're more like on athleticism and like getting coached up and playing a lot better in the NFL than they did Oklahoma on defense. So He's got to make a change to where he has that guy who finds the tough part of it and, and drills down the tough part of it because they are like, look, if you want to play basketball on the grass with them, good luck. Yeah. You know, but if you decide that like, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to play American football on this grass that they're in a, they're in a world of hurt right this now. This Utah matchup is a nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare for them. Yeah, and and look, Utah is still playing two very average quarterbacks and mm-hmm. figuring it out. So, anyway, we'll see. They got they got mentioned. Utah's got to feel good that Senator Lindsey Graham mentioned them on Capitol Hill today about their. Yeah, I'm sure they were NL like, party. yay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, because I'll, if I, I know a, one thing, it's college kids recognizing Senator Lindsey Graham. Yeah, he was just so upset that they're all getting free trucks. <laughs> Was NIL's that, out of control. Is that your Lindsey Graham? That's a damn good one. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Go no. online. Give me some money. I got to stop the evil. <laughs> you can't get cars. Meanwhile, go to lindseygram.com <laughs> yeah. to donate to yeah. my campaign fund. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, how long does Jimbo Fisher reasonably have left at Texas A&M? This is the Triple Option, 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. I think 
I think I should just do the whole show as Lindsey Graham. I'd prefer that you're not. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher's in trouble, guys. Well, actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> someone, that's pretty. someone please point out the difference between Paul's Lindsey Graham and Paul's uh, Kim Mulkey to me. <laughs> no, Kim Mulkey Sounds is like Kim Mulkey Billy. is guys. Now, what you should be writing about. So one's slower and one's faster. I'm yes. really not hearing much of a difference. No, really. And look, that's a sad thing for Lindsey Graham. Yes. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about this from Paul's yeah. perspective. I'm talking about Lindsey Graham no. and Kim Mulkey. Yeah. Um, to this point. I'm going to have some strongly I'll tell you, worded emails. To this, point in my, to this point in my life, Lindsey Graham has never called up on the phone and yelled at me about something I said on the radio. Mm. But the other one has. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yet. Yeah. The other one. Let's keep this going. Maybe the, you'll hear from the senator from. South Carolina? Yeah. The, yeah. Other, the other one has. The other one certainly has. Uh, all right. So Jimbo Fisher's seat is hot, hot, hot. Is it? It is. <laughs> because here's what happens. When you pay a guy $10 million a year, yeah. and you look at the other guys who make $10 million a year, if you don't do what they do, the people who pay you that money are going to start going, hey, um, why, are you, why are you doing the same thing that – I don't know, $3 million a year coaches can easily do. So that's, he's in a prison of, of A&M's making and that his agent like went to them and said, look, for him to leave Florida State, you're going to have to give him the best deal in the history of contracts. A prisoner, a prisoner of his agent's success is a crazy yes. place to be. It is though. Like now he's got the pressure of, okay, well, look, we've given you the best contract in history and to Jimbo Fisher at this point in his life, look, he's got more money than he'll ever, you know, he could light the rest of it on fire like the Joker. Uh, I think his son needs more chains. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like those are all those things he could do, you know, like, the, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. the Joker in the Dark Knight, just, yeah, just, this is my half, I'm lighting it on fire. It all burns. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he could do that and just say, look, I can prove to you that I can win, but he is not innovated they're still they look the same every week. They they're they're tense to watch. Like you just watch them and you you look over at Jimbo Fisher and at times where it shouldn't be tense. He's like, I don't know. know. Like 14 22 left to go in the third quarter and up 13 points. It looks like he's about to have an aneurysm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. So they've got a, and for AM, it's a, a part of a bigger quandary is yeah. you have seemingly in every step since firing RC Slocum, they've learned a lesson about what they do wrong compared to the other big money schools. And I'm not going to call them a big boy, a blue blood program because they have not earned that, but they're certainly a big money school. They have more money than God. anybody. Like they're just, it's just ridiculous how much money that they have available before you even get to the alumni that will give you money. Like the university is wealthy. I mean, you got 50,000 kids paying. Yeah. Plus oil money, like all these things. A piece. I, yeah. yeah. I, those oil guys, you know, they're really patient um, about their return on investment. You know, uh, I don't know because we hear that, and from A&M fans, every single year, Jimbo's on the hot seat. Jimbo's on the hot seat. They have the money to fire him. It's $76 million is the buyout they as do it stands have today. It. Do you want to be the administration that now has to foot that bill I, you know, going forward? Or do you give him another couple of years and be like, I don't know, like prove it, like 
is there a way? There's no way you can restructure the contract like a no. I mean, like why, a major league contract. What, what would he? Well, I mean, other why than would he agree to that? Why yeah. would he agree to that if he's just going to be able to like, no, I'll just stay like, fire, fire me, me or not? Yeah. Like you know, just just do it. So yeah, I don't. It's not like a a prove it deal or anything like right. that. They are and they're. This is there's two things at play here this particular season that are working against Jimbo Fisher. One of them is it, uh, and neither of them are of his making, but he's not taking advantage of one of them. One of one of them is that Texas is really good now. Yeah. They are they are seemingly very built for the SEC. Not to mention that Oklahoma is really good and they look like they're building for the SEC as well. Uh, although maybe, you know, even that win a couple weeks ago notwithstanding, they they look like they're set up to go well. Those teams are coming in. Mm-hmm. You're very familiar with them, and particularly Texas, who you um, you know think about all the time if you're an A&M fan, and vice versa with Texas. So they they are they're your biggest rival is coming back into your life, and they're not who you thought they were when this announcement was first made. We're like, okay, whatever. Well, we're we're better off than they Eight are right wins now. Wins in the Big Twelve, yuck. Ugh. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They're, Let them come. Yeah, now they are. They've got Steve Sarkeesian, who's reasonably built the team, recruiting wise, NIL wise, all the things that you want to a team that can compete right away in the SEC. And this is also a year where you're two years removed from the best recruiting class in school history. The SEC is as wide open as it's ever been, and you are no different than especially you've ever the been. SEC West. This year. Yes, the SEC West is wide open. You had. You had both in the two last two weeks, weeks ago. We were talking Alabama, about how they could win it. Alabama dead to rights and Tennessee dead to rights, and you didn't win either of those games. Yeah, one of them at home mm-hmm. too. So that is not taking advantage of of the circumstances that they come to you because, and everyone else knows this. Alabama's not going to be you know having to figure out and coach around a raw quarterback and a penalty ridden offensive line. All that much longer. Like mm-hmm. this is this is not like oh Alabama's done forever and Nick Saban's going to quit and go, like go into a cave and you know really focus on his. You're looking at Alabama's floor basically. Yeah, you're like right now this is their floor. You have yeah. an opportunity to maybe even leap past them for a year or two, but they're not going to sit around and go well we had a great run. Yeah, maybe it's our time to just not be. To be seven and five. We're fine with it because we've done so much and had so much fun that we'd like to share with mm-hmm. the rest of you as as good people of Earth. No, that's not what they're going to do. They are going to attack this, and Nick Saban will attack it in a way that maybe nobody's ever done before because clearly he's been passed by one of his protégés at Georgia and Kirby Smart. Right. And... There's, you know, the wolves are always going to be at the door. So Alabama's a little bit down. LSU can't stop anybody. They cannot stop anybody. And you have, you'll have them at the end of your schedule, but that rivalry's gotten so weird. But you could have run straight past them right now and had them desperate and going, man, I really hope AM falters. But now LSU's in a much better spot than AM is. And so I turn and look back at Garrett to see him nod, but. That, I mean, a couple weeks ago, Garrett and I were talking about like, well, A and M's gonna, you know, be past them in a minute if they can't tackle, and here they are, right back where they, you know, where it all started. So I think those things will factor in a lot with Jimbo Fisher in that, you know, the timing is not necessarily his fault, except for the fact that now you had an opportunity to take advantage of all this, and you're not. I mean, and you have to think that Auburn 
who I like their hire, but like you have to think that Auburn will not be 0-3 in SEC play go, you know, going forward in years to come. Or three and three currently. You have to think that they won't be down. I mean, Mississippi State and Arkansas, give or take, how you feel about those programs, considering Arkansas's coach may be on the hot seat as well now, too. Yeah. But I don't know. You, you you pose the hot seat question, and every time that I hear it, I just kind of scoff because if they were serious about it, they would have done it. Well, I think you have to – you wait. And you, like – so we've gotten on to Texas for firing their it's, coaches it's too year, soon. It's year six for him, though. Yeah, we've gotten on to Texas for firing coaches too soon and Texas fans for being impatient with coaches. Now, granted it, – it, those coaches probably weren't the right moves to begin with anyway, so they probably had a point. But you still want to give these people time. It is year six. I'm saying I just think they would have done it last year. You know what I mean? Well, um, I think last year they had some, like, built-in – Haynes King was hurt from the beginning of the year. You know, that didn't work They got the yet. quarterback thing again, too, this yeah, year. Yeah, and then so, like – but, again, if he's a quarterback guru – then you should yeah, have. Why is Max Johnson throwing two interceptions? And yeah, why is that like you know? So and then they had look. Connor Wigman got hurt. Okay, not Jimbo's fault. But you know, you are also the Max Johnson has you in a position to win games. And your decisions, though, like if you watch the way the AM's losing these games, they are losing games that are kind of being handed them because he's not aggressive at all. Yeah, I mean he will. He refuses to go for it on fourth down. He he had three timeouts in his pocket with two plus minutes left in the half this week at Tennessee, and because he knew Tennessee was going to punt and pin them down inside the fifteen yard line, he's like, "Well, I mean, I'm not a magician, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that." And this here's the thing, Jimbo, like the reason that Jimbo Fisher, if you want to have one little thing on his like Mike McCarthy level uh, clock management, by yes, the way. if you had thrown, if you throw me into the into the room and say, you know. Give you like what's the one thing you would like to assess Jimbo Fisher about? Career long, he has no regard for timeouts or when to use them, when like when to maybe save them, like what is going on around you. So he'll he is, take go ahead, sorry. He'll take one on the first drive so he doesn't get a delay a game when you're like, well, you know, you could eat that a little you're, bit. You're playing LSU, like Maybe you're going to want that one at the end of the half so you can maybe get, like, even just a field goal in a game that's usually tight. You know, oh, no. And then at the end of the half, you're like, oh, well, I used two timeouts in situations that need them to because I was going through my, my, my massive war and peace-like play sheet and couldn't get it done. Or the play call came in from the officer coordinator now, and I'm like, well, I mean, this isn't. I didn't know God with the wind ended like that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this isn't a video game. Bobby, change your mind. Look, it is baffling to me, and this goes for the pros too, because you see it all the time in pro in pro football. And granted, these guys have a lot to like worry about and like all the things. So like clock management sort of becomes like secondary to all of this stuff, especially if you're also the coordinator. McCarthy example number one last night yeah. but like the sheer incompetence of people who have to manage all this stuff to be able to manage clocks at the end of halves and games is baffling give some of that 10 million dollars 
to a dude that's played Madden once. <laughs> Have him sit right next to you and be like, Jimbo, you probably won't call a timeout right here. You got like a you know a minute thirty left, and you don't have you actually you don't have a two minute warning here. I I don't know if you know that, but yeah. it just my little cousin could do it. I just I promise I promise anyone who has grown up back me up here anyone who's grown up playing Madden knows when to call a timeout after like the two minute warning or like yeah d- to get a field goal anyone or any- does and also most kids growing up playing Madden know that hey if I'm a good enough offensive mind I can eat the five yard penalty earlier in the half because I should be able to call a play to get those yards back yeah it's not that eat hard the delay of game save your timeouts for crunch time yeah. it's not hard if you're good at calling offensive plays and good at recruiting guys to run those offensive well, yeah, plays look uh, the only time I like the only time I say like call the timeout is if you're in like one of those like if Ohio State and Penn State this week are in, are in a situation where they're killing Penn, each other or yeah. no or it's early in the game and Penn State is at the Ohio State seven yard line and they're about to get a delay a game yeah bang that timeout mm-hmm. like make sure you get that touchdown that's different than calling it at your but, own like thirty five yeah but yeah exactly so if you get your own thirty five the game's just started like you know like you're. It's 13, 18 left in the game, man, or in the first, like in the first quarter. It's not the fourth quarter. Like you don't necessarily need to bang that timeout and just take the penalty. Tell your quarterback, "I'm sorry, that's on me." Mm-hmm. You know, let's go. In the NFL, it's even more egregious because they have friggin' radios, right? Yeah, <laughs> like they can just say, "I, I do wish that." Snap the- it. I do wish that the quarterback could talk back to him and just go, hey, no, I'm going to run this play right now. Well, I'm just going to snap it. We're going to hand it off. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got it. It it is just baffling to me. You get paid that much money to, like, look, you run a department of hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. I get it. The timeout deficiencies aren't, like, top of mind. Mm -hmm. But in game, it just all comes down to, like, in-game strategy, too. Yeah. And you've watched him way more than me. He was a coach of your alma mater for forever. Mm-hmm. It, like that stuff is bewildering, to be completely honest with well, you. Well, look, he had a I mean, his run at FSU was a nice steady build to building the program back to look. Bobby Bowden's problem was that he, you know, Father Time caught up to him and Urban Myers across the state doing things and recruiting and all this that Bobby just, you know, couldn't get on the road. Couldn't, for. couldn't get I mean, couldn't beat him at like you know bobby would go in your living room and you know meet your grandma and wash the dishes and then urban meyer's over there and he's like already friended you on facebook yeah and all these things and sent messages to you and all, all like he's got these young hip coaches who are just kind of you know the the lifeblood of things you know and then you know bobby's got these old school coaches that are like uh they want me to get on something called MySpace. <laughs> I don't know. Face snap. <laughs> yeah, all those. And so Jimbo Fisher modernized it. He didn't wound up not getting like the administration and Jimbo got it loggerheads. And he had some personal strife uh, in his life um, going through a divorce. So like all that happened at once. And the honeymoon was over in Tallahassee so fast it made your head spin. But you thought like, okay, well, the big problem in Tallahassee was he had an administration that didn't really support his overall goals and was a little bit antiquated and he was trying to force them into a new century. Well, A&M is telling you like, look, we'll buy, like if you want a Westworld style sex robot park, <laughs> we'll build it for you. We don't care. Like, are they recruits on the moon? <laughs> yeah. Like Get where spaceship, son, where do you, where do you want to go? We'll take you there. And then he got all that. But sometimes there's, there's details that you miss. And I think that, 
clearly it's just he he now is the guy ironically who won't move with the times right you know that was he was mad at fsu for that and justifiably so so he went to a&m that was like we'll move with the time like again what do you need do you want do you want like laser beams on top of the stadiums that will eliminate quarterbacks? If we can make that legal, we'll do it. Like, yeah. just tell us what you want to do. We will doctor evil up Kyle Field. I was going to say a pit don't. that opens up in the middle with sharks with laser beams <laughs> on their head. We don't care. We will do whatever it takes financially. And sometimes that's a bad thing because then you give a lot of power to people who don't know what they're doing. Right. But that happened, and then he's the guy who won't change. Well, is it still, I mean, you would like to think that Petrino came in and 70 year old, you know, given a, a real, <laughs> real shot in the arm to the, to the program, you know, real, uh, go getter. <laughs> but, um, are they running the same playbook from 2013? I mean, I think he was for a long time. I think like, if you look last year, cause I know that was like, people kind of did the, the Twitter thing of like comparing Jameis Winston's throws to like other throws. Yeah. And the thing is that the playbook worked in 2013 because it was a 2013 playbook, and he had the Heisman Trophy winner, which he's also not had a quarterback mm -hmm. since he's been there. So, uh, you know, that the, the he was an offensive mind recruited to take their offense in new directions, and he took them in a circle. Like, just, have we feel like we've been here before. We came all <laughs> the way back around. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no. kids, Big Ben, Parliament. I mean, that's kind of how it was. You probably don't get that reference, but. Yeah, no. National Lampoon's European vacation. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, kids. Big Ben. Parliament. <laughs> so, <laughs> we know. We know. All right. When we come back, the game of the year of the week this week is Ohio State and Penn State. And uh, each week so far, the last month, there's been like one gigantic, huge, and there's a couple really good games this week, but nothing like Ohio okay. State and Penn State. This one's gonna be this is gonna be nasty, just like Oregon and Washington was last week. Ohio but, State, Notre Dame. Yeah, all those. This is the triple option on three sixty five sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back. The game of the year this week, Royden, is Ohio, Ohio State and Penn State. It is... Uh, Air Force and Navy. What? Air Force and Navy. Air Force, undefeated. Rolling along. Top 10 or uh, top, top 25. 25. Yeah, top 25 in the nation, but also like a top 25 defense. Yeah. Dude, they're, they're beating the crap out of people. Anyway. Yeah. I, um, I felt... 
I'll just say we saw them play in the in the. You didn't? Did you go to the game last year, Royden? The Air no, Force. No, I had the flu. Um, <laughs> no, I actually did have. I did have the flu, and I was going to go at the last second. And uh, Darby and Chris, one? yeah, Darby and Chris were like, "Don't, don't go." It's 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 one. That's how cold it is. It's one. And you go, one what? No, degree. One. There's not a, you can't, when it's one, you can't even say degrees. No. It's degree. It is a single degree outside. <laughs> yeah. Plan accordingly. <laughs> yeah. Pack it's your a, lead vest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, seeing them last year, uh, it did, you know, restore my faith in the preparedness, not that it needed to be, of, of the American military in that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it's one degree in Texas and Air Force not bothered by it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Not at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> the people who live in that state were, and play there all the time were like, this is the apocalypse. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. This is, this is it. Have you made your peace with God? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way he would do this to us unless he was ending the whole thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> we fly in the clouds. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're good. We're good. You know how cold that it could be in an aircraft carrier? Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. You're it's fine. all steel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Ohio State. Much like the turf at TCU Stadium that day. Ohio State and Penn State, um, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. What a game to wake number up to. Number seven versus number three. Penn State has been roiding in this thing for the last couple of years where everybody they have a really good coach in James Franklin, but he, he was – Okay, defense is good, offense is boring. You know, like it's not terrible, but it's just there. You know, it wasn't Iowa bad, but it wasn't Ohio State good. You know, so they they had their moments where, oh, this team looks like they're on the rise, and they kind of were treading water for a little while. Well, they tread water no more. He's got Drew Aller, quarterback, who's fantastic. He's got a stable of skill players and running backs that are all fantastic. Mm -hmm. And this is a team that can legitimately go into Columbus and win the game. Um there's, there's no doubt about that. And Ohio State's already played, you know, in these big moment games this year. This is going to be Penn State's first real challenge of the season. But, uh, I, I mean, this game could go one of two ways because they're both pretty dang good on offense. Kyle McCord's starting to come into his own. And they're both pretty dang good on defense. So I'm wondering, you know, this maybe doesn't get into the Oregon-Washington oh, dear God, how many wide receivers do you have kind of a thing. But I think it's probably a, a, like a moderately scored game, but there's big defensive plays throughout. I think it's like 25, like 27 to 20 if like it does get to a score game, but it's probably more like a 23 to 20 game. Like I don't think they crack 30 points each. I, it um, probably looks a lot like the – maybe a, a like a, a more offensive version of that Notre Dame game. Yeah, uh, like more sophisticated, I guess, if you will. Mm. I, I like – Penn, I, I was just looking at it because I was looking up the UC, uh, USC stats. Penn State, number one in, like, every defensive category. They've mm -hmm. only allowed um, <laughs> they've only allowed six opponent TDs this year. Yes. Uh, Ohio State, number seven. They've only allowed seven. Yeah. So, I – it's shocking to me that, like, this is where we are with Ohio State, like I was saying earlier in the show. Um when they, I think the biggest coup on the planet was them getting Jim Knowles, like you said, yeah. and allowing allowing that defense to catch up to where the offense was. Now all of a sudden their offensive ranks is like unheard of for a Ryan Day. <laughs> I mean, they're well, like thirty second or something yeah, like that in but, scoring. 
they still have Trayvon Henderson at running back. Kyle McCord, again, he's starting to come into his own. Yeah. It's his first year starting, and he has weapons on top of weapons. He has Marvin Harrison Jr., <clears throat> who's the, probably the best wide receiver in the country. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, you know, Ecuba, like all those guys. He's got all these dudes uh, all over the place who can make plays. And so, yeah, they're going to find their, they're going to find some of their offense. But yeah, this one, I do think that it's going to be in that 27 to 23 kind of a, of I, a, of a fight. I will say whoever wins this goes to the playoff. Probably. You think they beat Michigan? I, well, look, actually it gets a little bit more complicated than that. Now that you mention it, I mean, I think that I think that Michigan is going to lose somewhere. I I just don't know. I I just feel that I mean, they haven't gonna, even come close yet. I know, but neither has Penn State. Yeah. So I, if Penn State, let let me put it this way: if Penn State wins this one, I think they can get to the playoff. Yeah. If they don't, it's not in the cards. Yeah. Look, they and have. If it's not in the cards this year then I don't know when it will be in the cards for James. No. That seems defeatist, but I just think it... Michigan will be 9-0. and oh. Do they play both Ohio State and uh Yeah, yeah, they're in the same Yeah, so, so I think be, they drop one of those. They'll be 9-0 and oh after the next two weeks, where they're the, well, the next two games, because they have a bye after this one. But they're at Michigan State, and then they play Purdue. So 9-0. and oh. Mm -hmm. Then their last three are Penn State at Penn State at Maryland at home for Ohio State. So that's where their danger zone comes in. That's a tough last three weeks because Maryland, while not you know a world beater of any kind, can score. Like they yeah. they can score Tom and Ballo then get is hot. Still there throwing around them. Yeah, yeah, they can they can throw around if they limit their mistakes and they can force you into some and get you into a shootout. Maybe they can hang in that game. Plus. It's at home. Ohio State, that's been their kind of scare this year for the first three quarters of that game. You know, Maryland was giving them all they want, and then all of a sudden they shot Columbus into their veins in the fourth quarter and won the game. I mean, and, and put some distance. Well, so, I don't I mean, this is – the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have this situation that nobody else really has right now in that, you know, you could have that – Michigan with one loss, Penn State with one loss, Ohio State with one loss, and it's traded off amongst the three. That's what, I, in my mind, that's what made the most sense to me to well, like happen because yeah. then it would just cause well, – because why wouldn't that happen, you know what yeah. I mean? The Pac-12 could theoretically have it with USC, Washington, and Oregon, mm -hmm. you know, as that little circle goes around. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen right now, yeah. just based on our earlier conversation about USC. Uh, so that's why, like this one, this one is huge for both of them. It's like you got to make sure that when you do play the next one, that you're not behind that one loss eight ball. Right. Well, if Ohio State loses, they're done. Right. No, because they still have to play Michigan. They could beat Michigan. You think with two losses they would get in over a one loss well, Michigan and like it would it would take Michigan beating Penn State and yada yada. Well, I mean yada. they only have they have no losses Ohio State so. Don't, I thought they were six and one. Ohio State's undefeated. Oh, they are undefeated. Okay, They're number three in the country. Yeah. I forgot they beat Notre Dame. Yeah, I they forgot. <laughs> that they Notre only Dame. had ten players on the field. Yes, um, that is my. Uh, that is my. So yeah. I've been talking much like theoreticals, like they're going to be done. Yeah, much like commandments. The Catholics only had 10 players on the field. But mm. uh, anyhow. I have these 15. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, these 10 commandments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why. Uh, okay. Yeah. Forgive me. Six. 
Yes, they could all be six and one. I was thinking like Ohio State was six. It was already five and one. Yeah, for no, some they've they're they're both undefeated. So you can trade off those losses. Yeah, right. And so that's why this one even has that much more weight to it because you both have to play Michigan after this. And whoever loses, if you lose to Michigan, then you're done, done. But if you don't, you know. You you still might have that little well let's let's hope for a three way tie scenario. And get into and get into the very like I think every conference has this like oh we're in the very arbitrary tiebreaker section mm-hmm. where <laughs> like uh, points scored above one hundred degrees Fahrenheit yeah. ooh points scored while red yeah. Point Ohio scored, <laughs> point State. scored while on the road in crunch time, definition of crunch time to be defined later, yeah. and temperature under 32 degrees Fahrenheit. But point, uh, when you went to the Eras tour, <laughs> <laughs> did you also see the movie? <laughs> yeah, like all those things. Well, Michigan went to first, so they win. They yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, it does feel like an early de facto championship game. Now we just talking in circles because it will come down to the Michigan matchups for both of these teams. Um, and Michigan is hope. Like here's the thing. Michigan doesn't really care what happens in this game, right? No, they, they control both. their own. The only thing they care about is that this is an absolute street fight brawl. Mm-hmm. And that each of the teams comes out and is like, Oh God, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin Harrison was decapitated. All right, <laughs> no, we're moving down. Yeah. No, they um, – look, they've beaten him twice in a row. So, uh, And plus, Michigan now is – they're the, king, the kings of the conference. As, as much as Ohio State needs to get that back, the last two years Michigan's won the league and, and beaten Ohio State badly and Penn State badly in doing it both times. Both of these coaches, too, have some weird stuff going on with their fan bases as well, too. It almost feels – it's unfounded because they've had really great success. And Penn State has had more success than they could have possibly ever dreamed of. I mean, granted, look, they've won a national title and, and so on. But, like, coming out of that scandal, they have had more success than they could have possibly ever dreamed of. It is crazy to me that both of these coaches, and especially Ryan Day, they just don't like him there. Well, he is not – look – He's not Trestle? Like, what's the... He's not, you know, he's not urban. Yeah. And, look, the thing is, is that um, Ohio State, you know, would take him back in a heartbeat. Watch mm-hmm. one of the big noon kickoffs there. Right. I mean, they, you know, big gigantic Valentine's, too. We don't care who gets hurt. Just come back. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, that's that kind of been some of the... We're like, ready to be I hurt said again. That, I say that's, that's their... That's kind of that one loud part of the, the minority fan base. But... Ryan Day is going to be a great coach for you to have as the 12 team playoff comes. The 12 team, yeah. like, the dude is going to be baseline 10 and 2 almost every year. So, 10 and 2 being Ohio State in the Big Ten is going to get you 12th. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, it's going to get you at least 12th. And the two losses might be to kind of like a, you know, could be to Oregon and Michigan. And then while you're going to be mad about losing to Michigan, Somebody else could beat them before you have to play them again. And then yeah. you could find your way in. This is how playoffs work. Like, that's why they're fun, is you don't know what's going to happen every time you roll the ball out. Well, we've been so poisoned. I think it goes all the way back. It goes back generations, but like the BCS and everything else. But mm-hmm. like, we've been so poisoned that like one loss is a nail in the coffin that like 
that I think is going to take some getting used to for people to be like, oh, shucks, you know, like, yeah, get them next time well, because like, we're probably going to get to the playoff. I, I think that's where the people who are against it are afraid. Like, they like that one loss ends your season, <sighs> except for the fact that, like, you've now created a system where only a couple teams can ever really achieve that plateau, and then it gets boring because – you know, you know, the reason that we got the 14 playoff in the first place was we had Alabama and LSU for the second time that year, and the in national champion worst it, and it was, championship game I've ever seen, and it was awful. It stinks, man, and you know it. It was awful. I fell asleep. Yeah, and look for LSU. Like the worst, the team who lost the most in that was not just LSU who lost the game, but Alabama had no penalty for losing to LSU. Right, like. The computer somehow spit out like, hey, you remember LSU when you beat them earlier in the year? Yeah, that doesn't matter. You have to play them again. Oh, oh, oh we do? Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to we beat them before? No, 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 no. The robot gods have spoken. <laughs> Here you go. So we got to that point. Like, Where was this AI fear when we were in, like, 2007? <laughs> it was, it's always been there. But, yeah. But then I think, like, most of the people, like, you couldn't tell your dad, like, hey, uh, you know, they'll be able to do make a computer that looks and sounds exactly like you. And you're like, nah. Nah. You know, I, like, when I see it, it's Terminator's like, not real. Yeah. Or when they see it on TV, it's like, hello. Dave, <laughs> please enter your pin number. Like, well, nobody sounds like that. Right. And the, and the guy on the screen is pixelated. It's not that. So yeah, I think that's why I, well, look, if these two teams, like you said, if these two teams beat the crap out of each other, then like Michigan is licking their chops. I mean, obviously they still got to win, but, uh, well, like the best case scenario for Michigan is if this is like one of those LSU Alabama games. Yeah, and we just got a seventeen to ten field goal fest, and every then everybody's happy. But I, I don't know. I, I this holds so much more water than I think than I envisioned it holding coming into the year. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You got some legit teams. The game of the year, of the week this week, Ohio State and Penn State from Columbus. Royden, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, you're so welcome. And um, I like the rest of the baseball loving world says, I hope that you take the Astros' impending loss well. On my, uh, at my funeral, just say, <laughs> just say, I want the Astros to lower me into my coffin so they can let me down one more time. <laughs> Look, they're, they've been they've had just, unprecedented success. Unprecedented and success. And I'm sitting here being like, why can't they hit the ball? And it's just <laughs> the worst. Playoff baseball is the worst. I have an ulcer. I want to go home. Yeah. It's, you know, you hang on every, everybody who says it's boring, like, watch in October, man. Watch yeah. in October and tell me it's boring. It's like the NBA. That's the only good time to watch. All the football, the college football fans that like don't like the playoff scenario are begging you to watch playoff baseball. Yeah. Begging. Yeah. Yeah. No, just you hang on every, oh, it's, it's great. I don't even have a real dog in the hunt I'm going to tell you, not being in the playoffs, so much better. <laughs> yeah, you get, so much better. You move, you move on. You might watch an early season NBA game. You know why? Because you're, you're just curious. You know what's funny? I'm actually 19. <laughs> I've been watching playoff baseball for seven years yeah. since I was 12 and I look like this. <laughs> yeah. I, look, this is, this is years of being a Red Sox fan. Right. So I had, look, I had to understand after the third one they'd won, but like I guess with 2013, I had yeah. to understand that like, Oh, my life's good now. 
No, it's it's good. all gravy, right? It's great. It's good yeah. now. Like now, I've experienced it. There's people who will never will like, mm-hmm. you know. You know, when you tell a Mariners fan, like, oh, you're a Red Sox fan, they're like, oh, yeah, you know what joy is. I mean, you could be from Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. You could could be from Cleveland. That's true. That's going to do it for us. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, metro ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster.